one day I got jumped. <laughs> I went to a party. There's a young woman I was interested in. I neglected to ask whether or not she was seeing anybody. Turns out she was. And, uh, he was at the party, understandably wondering who this joker is. And so he jumped on me as I was leaving the party. And I found myself on the concrete, getting my head just bashed in by this angry dude. And uh, realized that all of my training was worthless. My second degree black belt competition skills were revealed to be the combat skills of a three-year-old. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Do you get angry over small things? Can you instantly change your thoughts to be more empowered? And does loyalty to some ideology or truth get in the way of what's actually useful for your life? Well, in this episode, my guest, Jesse Elder, and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Jesse is a fascinating man. His inspired and improvised Mind Vitamin Wisdom videos have been viewed by over 60 million people across the social media world. Jesse's background is in martial arts, where he honed much of his embodied wisdom through decades of training and teaching and fighting in actual hand-to-hand combat in both official martial arts competitions, but also in underground fight club-like experiences where men would fight for the win with no protective gear, no weight classes, and no rules, save, I'm guessing, for no death grip moves on each other. In this conversation, in fact, Jesse tells a powerful story about how getting his head smashed into the pavement at a party after hitting on someone else's girl early in his martial arts career offered him a powerful lesson in the difference between truthfulness and usefulness. Keep listening and we'll unpack that for you. Jesse, also known as the Time Piercer for his elastic perspectives of time, exudes the calm presence of a master teacher, and he is a master teacher. After building a multi-million dollar martial arts school franchise, he sold it to a business partner and launched himself full-time into sharing his wisdom through coaching, teaching, speaking, and his videos. Links to which you can find in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. I believe you're going to be deeply served by your time with Jesse Elder and I today, for we talk about the power and the pitfalls of mindset. We talk about simple roadmaps to living freedom now, what it means to not merely face reality, but actually create reality and more. So definitely stay tuned all the way through for Jesse's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Jesse Elder, it's a pleasure to have you on Men This Way. Welcome. 
it's an honor, Brian. Really looking forward to this and seeing what uh, what unfolds for us today as we dig into these uh, these topics that are yet to reveal themselves. Yeah, I know. I, I love that about this. You know, I, I send you a bunch of questions beforehand. I do that with every guest, but of course, it never goes that way. And I wouldn't want it to. I wouldn't want it to just be a checklist of questions <laughs> and okay, here's the answers or to tell me how, no. tell me why do you do what you it's do. It's like choreographing your sex life. It might be possible, but. <laughs> Unless you're role playing as a choreographer, and true that, I mean that could be fun, but that's a true, whole other, that's that. a whole other thing. True that. That's some next level stuff, right there. Next level stuff, man. <laughs> you know, Jesse, as I was researching, you know, doing watching your videos, spending a lot of time and your energy these past few days, and and since I discovered you a couple months ago and reached out to you, you know, you have this this beautiful, rich, calm, deep Zen like presence that just exudes, hey, I'm here. I got this. We're going to do this together. And so I typed into the search box, Jesse Elder angry. I wanted to see you angry. <laughs> like, what does that man look like when he's angry? And what came up was, uh, was a video of you uh, sitting in Austin traffic. <laughs> remember that one? A couple years back. I remember that. <laughs> and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful two minute video and you weren't angry at all. And so I just want to start off, man. Do you ever just get totally pissed off about something stupid? Um, no, no. I, I save getting pissed off for things that are completely worthy of my anger. Mm. Like what's an example of that? Um, from time to time, a sense of injustice will, will mm. creep in or if, if when I see things that are disingenuous, they're being passed off as gospel. Mm-hmm. And I completely respect every single human's uh, right to their perspective. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I, I respect the variety that this life offers each of us, specifically around sales and marketing. And, and that includes religion and personal development. You know, these are all forms of information that people are drawn to. And a lot of people who are drawn to that are, are you know, they're seeking or they're hurting or, mm-hmm. or they're aspiring and they're really doing great and they're looking for the next thing. And then there's stuff that, that's being passed off as the ultimate answer instead of a possible choice out of a sea of choices. And uh, it's taken some practice to not let the, you know, the fighter come out to just take those dudes down. And I recognize that that's probably because I didn't sleep very well the night before, or mm-hmm. probably because I didn't meditate or I haven't, you know, cuddled in a while. You know, there's probably factors around my life that are causing that feeling to come up zero to two with the stimulus. Yeah, I hear that. One of the, one of my teachers, David Data, I'm sure you're familiar with his work. For the name, yeah. For the name, yeah. And something I heard him say a long time ago, he talks a lot about these three stages of development and and in particular, that idea of freedom for men or the masculine energy, anyway, the, the value of freedom. And anyway, I don't want to go into this in depth, but just in the thing that he said that was just so, so uh, frustrating and also liberating at the same time was look, when you're in the kind of a third stage mindset, you just realize the world is fucked and there's nothing left to do but just give your gift anyway, because you're not going to save the world. There's no saving anything, <laughs> there's giving your gift. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with probably sixty percent of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just when you talk about because it's the same for me, you know, injustice, lack of courtesy, lack of consideration. Which obviously, you know, gosh, I'm just as guilty of that as anybody in the world. But seeing that in the world outside of me, man, it can really light my ire. And yet, 
there's so many fights that aren't mine to fight. That's a, a true superpower right there, knowing the difference. Yeah. So Jesse, I want to introduce my audience to you as a man and your background and where you've come from. And so let's start with this. I'd love to hear about a significant event or experience in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. Yeah. Well, aside from the most traumatic event of my life, which happened about 45 years ago, I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was extremely traumatic. That was the single most traumatic experience, mm-hmm. I, I think, for any soul entering mm-hmm. this physical plane. Pretty, pretty fucking awful. Uh-huh. But if you can get past that, everything else is pretty cool. And some um, of us don't. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the advanced player, man. The yeah. advanced player who can like like pop in, win the game, and then pop right out. Like uh-huh. respect, man. Incredible. <laughs> wow. You know, some of us. You know, I, I plan to bang around here for 150 levels mm-hmm. or so. I'm yeah. level 45. I've got a ways okay. to go, but yeah, the the uh, I had some fantastic experiences growing up of being given lots of choices by my parents to just figure stuff out. And it wasn't always comfortable at the time. It sometimes felt like not being supported or not being loved or not getting what I wanted. But in looking back, those were the perfect sort of uh, stem cells of the adventure that my life has become. And so I, w- I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and I've mm-hmm. since reconciled my expectations with their intentions and have a beautiful relationship with both of them. The things that I recall as being you know, 12, 11, 12, 13 years old and taking the bus a couple of times a week from uh, our home that we lived in in, in uh, South San Antonio. And I get on the bus and go to martial arts class. And that was the centerpiece of my life as an adolescent and as a teenager and really kept going from there. But I remember getting on the bus and I'd have my karate bag and I'd have my, you know, my uniform in there, my sparring gear and all this stuff. And, and I'd get on the bus and I would just read on the bus. And I, one of the things that I learned to read was the map and learned to read the bus routes. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really understand the map of San Antonio, but I understood the map of the bus routes. And I remember to this day, the feeling of freedom that came from knowing that I could be dropped off at any place in San Antonio mm-hmm. and I would know what bus to take. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the feeling of confidence that that gave me. And mm-hmm. that was an experience while in the beginning, there were times when you know I'd ask for a ride and you know, we wouldn't have a car, you know, at that particular period, or, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for me to get a ride. But my parents were so cool with saying, look, if you want to do it, we'll support you. We'll even help you with allowance to give you bus money. Mm. And so I was like, all right, well, if I want this, if I want to train martial arts and I want to earn my black belt and the class is 45 minutes away, then this is how I do it. And so that early experience of self-reliance and, uh, and the trust that my parents gave in me and the trust that that allowed me to develop in myself, uh, I can completely see how that shifted the whole trajectory of my life. Yeah. And I don't have children right now, but if I ever decide to, uh, then that is an absolutely fundamental piece of the experience that I would hope to bring as a father is lots and lots and lots of experiences to develop self-trust and self-reliance. Well, you said something really, really profound too, in, in that you had a map and having the map gave you a sense of confidence that you could find your way anywhere. Definitely helps. (laughs) You know, it occurred to me a few years ago that a lot of the work that I do and 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 the work that you do is we're map makers. We're creating maps or we're reading ancient maps. You know, I work with a lot of couples and a lot of relationships and, and a lot of men. And so often it's, hey, look, of course you don't know how to create what you want to create. You don't have a fucking map. 
you don't know where you're going. You don't even know where you're standing. <laughs> don't even know who you are. <laughs> and 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 so you know, having maps is so empowering. And what what's the one thing that that it's sort of cliche, but there's truth to it. What what does men not want to do? Ask for directions. Ask for directions. Look at the map. Get help. Yep. You know, yep. I'll feel it. I'll, I know where it is. It's this way. And I'm just as guilty as that of anybody. So when you were sharing that story, and I just see you there, this young man with a map. And the confidence, the freedom, you use that word freedom that that gave you. And in your work through your, your mind vitamin videos, you're constantly just giving people maps, right? The five clarities was one, one of your videos, like just maps for if you want to live extraordinary, if you want to live masterfully, well, here's a map. So it's really profound. That's a beautiful distinction, Brian. I really, really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. And I'm curious because a lot of what you're doing is in your videos is you're helping people, let's just say, kind of reprogram mindset, confront, you know, there's millions of ways of saying it, but confront limiting beliefs, reprogram mindset, clear the cobwebs out of the, the thinking patterns and all that. You talk a lot about appreciation, right? But what are some disempowering thoughts or beliefs that you have had to overcome to confront in yourself and overcome along the way? And how'd you do it? At the extreme risk of, of sounding cheeky, the biggest disempowering belief I've ever encountered was the belief that I had to get rid of disempowering beliefs. Mm. Like the idea of limiting beliefs, while it's a useful placeholder, is wildly inaccurate when it comes to what's going on inside of our brains and bodies. A belief is simply a thought that we've mm. kept thinking enough for it to develop its own momentum. And I have the utmost respect for people who are skilled at healing and, and doing trauma work. And there's absolutely, you know, for somebody who is drawn to that work and somebody who resonates with that and somebody who feels that they need that, then it's the only really option if that's what they're drawn to. My observation has been, and partly this is because of my own beliefs and observations around linear time, and I, I don't really subscribe to it anymore. I think it's a neat agreement, but I don't, I don't think it's an absolute. It's one of your nicknames, the time piercer. Time piercer, yeah, yeah. And so this idea of having a limiting belief that I have to then focus on or, or I have to find the origin of the belief and thereby feel worse in order to feel better, that pattern of, of latent suffering is woven so thickly through our culture and even more so for men who have historically been expected to be stoic and strong and non-emotional unless your sports team's winning. Yeah. And by the way, that's when it's your team, when they're winning. If they're losing, it's them, those guys. Those guys can't throw a football to save their <laughs> fucking life. But when they're winning, you're like, we won. Look like, what we cool. did. That's right. <laughs> Success by proxy. Great. That's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. So I personally don't find any value any longer in going backwards to try and go forwards because my understanding is that all I have is now. And as a transmitter and a receiver of energy, thought energy, emotional energy, electromagnetic energy, biochemical energy, as a transmitter and receiver of that energy, all I have is right now. And so it's like if my phone is playing a song that I don't want to hear, I don't take it to the you know Apple store and say, hey, something's wrong with my phone. It's playing country music. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what do you want to hear? I'll be like, well, I don't want to hear country music. 
And they're like, well, um, so what do you want to hear? I'm like, well, sure as hell don't want to hear country music. In fact, I think something's wrong with the phone, probably going all the way back to the factory. I, I want to talk to the, to the factory owner and maybe some of the technicians who made the phone because I think that's where the problem started. Uh-huh. The fucking Apple genius will look at you like you have antlers growing out of your head uh-huh. and then they'll say, so what do you want to hear? And I'll say, well, I'd really like to hear some Coltrane. And they're like, all right, hold on, please. Here you go. And the mm. phone starts playing what you mm. want. Yeah. Our brains and our bodies are no different, with the exception that we do possess free will. So we can choose to focus on stuff that feels bad, get the dopamine hit, the boost of significance, the attention from others, the validation of our own choice to suffer. We can receive all of that just by retelling a bad story. And uh, some point along the way, I just decided that wasn't very useful. So I started shifting towards this sort of radical optimism and strategic ignorance where I completely ignore and delete from my awareness anything that doesn't resonate with me. What that's led to is a life that is fucking epic, that is continually unfolding in ways that defy Mm -hmm. my previously wildest dreams. And yet now it's my reality. So that's my take on it. I, I don't hold that as a prescription for anybody, just sort of a description of what yeah. I'm useful. Yeah. And I was fascinated to learn you were homeschooled I was. as a child and you're not just were you homeschooled, but it sounded like your father essentially, well, at least one of his practices as your teacher, if you will, was to just throw a bunch of books on a table and say, pick one and go for it. Yeah. That was uh, another formative experience. I mean, after doing tours of a bike or whatever I was doing, I came in and there's all these books on the table. And my dad is a very wise person. He just said, you can read anything you want. And he walked away. And I remember the feeling of freedom. Like, whoa, I have so much power here. I can read whatever I want. Uh-huh. Years later, it wasn't until years later that I realized how genius that was because he was the one that selected the choices. So he was the chooser of the choices mm. and then left the available choices, the visible choices up to me. So yeah. I never felt restricted or controlled. I always felt my own power of choice. And uh, I, have, I have so much appreciation to both of my parents for their choices that led to that. That's interesting, though, because they still gave you a framework within which to make your choices. They didn't just stick the, the internet in your hands and say, okay, go educate yourself. Right, right. Absolutely. They created that, those boundaries. Exactly. And this is the core principle of influence, whether it's a parent or a teacher or a coach or consultant or a marketer or anybody who's in sales. Selecting the options that you're presenting to people and then giving people the total freedom to choose yeah. is a beautiful partnership. It balances very, very gently between leadership and, and being a servant. And the people that I know and that I'm blessed to call my friends and my mentors, there's one of my dear friends, Ron Lynch, who's one of my mentors, and he is responsible for selling over $4 billion worth of products. GoPro, that was a company that he built from, wow. I think, 600000 to $60 million in an incredibly short period of time. So I'm blessed to have so many geniuses in my life, people that have done incredible things commercially and, and influentially. And one of the things, the biggest lessons that I've observed is that the most powerful profitable thing that we can do is to be completely selfless and to practice empathy. Mm. Leaders in in what I would call the wisdom economy, their knowledge and and their experience and their tools, and we see incomes just go through the roof when they start practicing this tactical empathy, being empathetic and and really communicating to the problems someone has. And, And this is true in a dating situation. It's true if you're selling something. If people aren't accepting what you're offering, 
it has nothing to do with you. It means you're just not offering what they want. Yeah. You know, it's like opening a vegan restaurant and wondering why you don't have a huge CrossFit paleo crowd. Right. Well, yeah. maybe that's not what they want. Yeah. So, you know, you can take it personally and you can make it all existential or you can just say, hey, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I offer. Take it or leave it. And the more clear that we, especially as men, the more clear that a guy can be on who he is, what he's about, the more visible and attractive he becomes to people that resonate with that, both men and women. Yeah. I used to uh, manage artists and produce events. And that's one of the things that I kind of quickly figured out is that there were really only a few reasons people don't come to your event. The first one is they don't know about it. Yeah. The second one is they don't want it. (laughs) <laughs> the third one is they don't understand it. Right, right. Which causes them to not want it. Totally. And that's kind of really it in the end. That's it. So simple. <laughs> that's brilliant, man. That's a brilliant framework. And, and if somebody takes your framework and applies that to their own problems, they, they can solve it instantly. Yeah. Really, really is as simple as that. Yeah. Okay. So let's ground in a little bit here because... Um, you know, I can imagine a lot of men are listening and a lot of women too, listening to this and thinking, okay, I have a certain set of circumstances that I have to deal with. I have bills to pay. I have mouths to feed. I have uh, responsibilities here. Notice the language. I have to, I have to, I have, I have. And one of the things that really intrigued me, and I, again, I heard this in another interview that you did a few years ago, is you said, I don't have a lot of patience for things I'm not interested in. And that was directly related in a conversation about your homeschooling and the way that your father just kind of gave you these options and allowed you to follow your curiosity. And and so let's just stay here for a moment because it's easy to talk about, yeah, okay, your phone is playing country music. It's a great analogy, by the way. That's a fantastic analogy. We'll just change the channel. But our brains, we've been playing that music for so long how do we actually change the channel? That's a great question, Brian. I've, I've actually discovered, starting with myself and then branching out to people that I've worked with, we haven't been playing it that long. In fact, we don't actually think of events. We can't remember events. What we do is we're remembering the last time we thought about it. And so that thing that happened when we were six or 16 or 26 was an emotional event. It stood out as either ridiculously pleasurable or or hellishly painful. And it was so intense that it formed this loop in our Mm -hmm. nervous system and our thinking and our language. And then we start building a story around it. And then we go and find somebody to share that story with or tell that story to, because that's what we do as humans. We Mm -hmm. relate. And then that becomes another emotional event. And then we write in our journal, or most people don't even do that, but we'll think it through again. And, well, and I want to, sorry, we're, I want to really emphasize what you just said, because it's so huge. It's, you know, I was talking with my fiance about this just yesterday. She was sharing an experience about a man she dated many years ago who had a, just a, a great self-loathing. And he had lost a lot of weight before they started to date. And so he was still carrying an old story of his lack of worthiness based on physical appearance. And yeah, and he brought that into their dating experience and she was really interested in him. And yet as he kept showing up with this, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Eventually it's not that she agreed with him. She didn't agree with him at all. It just became exhausting to be around. And for him, I mean, I can't imagine, I've never talked to him. I don't know what he, what happened for him, but it eventually, you know, when that didn't work out, 
I know that's happened to me a million times. I've witnessed it in the women I've dated being afraid that I would leave them or not want to be with them in the way that they would then show up would just confirm, yeah, I don't want to be with this person, you know, the controlling ways. And likewise, me too, my fear of being controlled or being told what to do. And the minute I get some feedback that suggests I have to do something I don't want to do. Oh, oh, hell no. You ain't going to control me and tell me what to do, which what does that inspire in them? Because I always yeah. chose strong women. It made them want to control me even more. <laughs> yes. So perfect match. <laughs> perfect match. And so just seeing that, holy shit, how I literally, you know, how we cr- literally create validating experiences of the loop that we're playing. Yeah. So I wanted to just emphasize yeah, that powerful. because that's huge. It's powerful. And I really appreciate you bringing that distinction and, and that story in because it's a great example of how those, those loops can just become sort of not self-reinforcing because not, nothing is self-reinforcing. The mm-hmm. only thing that's constant in this universe is the change of expansion. That's the only thing that's constant. Everything else peters out. Everything else dies down. If you don't put you know, energy into it, right? Yeah. If you, if you don't give it energy and attention, right. it wears and dies. Yeah. So that includes the story, which is why this practice that I mentioned earlier of strategic ignorance, I've found it increasingly powerful because it, what it does is it creates a vacuum for something else to come in. And so that experience of feeling unworthy or feeling unloved or whatever it is, yeah, there were some intense experiences, um, the, the most intense of which is being born. Because just prior to exiting the womb, you've got around nine months of room service. It's warm. You've got the best house music in the world. Dun, 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 dun. you got everything you need. You're completely connected, literally connected to the source of your life, which is your mother. And then after nine months, all of that goes away. All of it goes away. And now it's cold, it's loud, it's bright. Do you don't even know what these things are? They're poking you in the face, and it's just like it's very has to be a very jarring experience. And yet we seem to do okay if that's the most traumatic experience of our transition Mm. until we learn to fear the next one, which happens at the so-called end of our life, and then we delay that as much as we can. In the meantime, we miss this beautiful parenthesis in between being born and dying, and that's Mm present moment that's all there is in the present moment Mm -hmm. so since everything requires attention in order for it to maintain then it becomes very easy to just end those loops and just end those cycles not by replacing them because to replace something you have to look at the thing you want to get rid of Mm -hmm. and then get rid of it but you can't get rid of it by looking at it when you look at it, it gets more firmly rooted. Mm. And then you want to go and get an axe and cut out the root. And that makes the roots turn to fucking adamantium. And then you want to get a blowtorch. And then that makes it turn into some force always meets force. Yeah. And so if you ignore it and you displace it by adding something new in, it is not the instant change promised by the personal development industry or religion or anything else. What it is, is a very natural progression. It's a very natural change that can always be counted on because it relies on natural laws. Just like I have a motorcycle in in San Antonio and and, uh, one of my favorite memories that I refer back to frequently to activate in my present moment is being on a bike, going from Austin to San Antonio actually, heading on 290 West 
and man, it was, it was a Sunday morning. It was beautiful. And Texas doesn't have helmet laws. So I just had these sunglasses on. I had a big beard back then. So my mm-hmm. beard's like plastered back and I'm tucking into this Ducati and I'm just mm-hmm. like the bike feels like it was made for me. I'm just yeah. tucked in. My knees are right under the fuel tank, elbows in. And the thought entered my mind. I wonder what it would feel like to hit 120. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had the thought, then I realized that, yeah, there's no reason not to. I know the bike can do it. I don't know if I can do it because I've never done it, but I trust myself to take it a step at a time. The road is wide open. No reason not to. So let me get in there. And I goosed it up little by little. And I started to get really scared around 100 miles an hour. All these thoughts start popping in. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing, man? One one armadillo and you're both <laughs> you and the armadillo are toast. Like, a lot of armadillos out there. A lot of armadillos. Yeah. And so, and then, I, and then I realized my physiology is reflecting that thought. I was holding my breath. Mm. And so I thought, all right, let me just relax. So I just relaxed my shoulders, Mm. breathe a little deeper, my face still being pulled back. And then the feeling went away. The feeling of fear went away, even though the speed maintained. And so then I goosed it up a little more. I got up to 110, repeated the same process, got scared, relaxed, calmed down. It wasn't a, a rational fear based on the environment, the roads twisting, there's traffic. There was none of that. The environment was still pristine. So it was an irrational fear which is very easily dealt with. Relax, breathe, it goes away. 120, same thing. 130, same thing. I got up to 135. Wow. And I'm on this bike and just, it was a zero point moment. Mm. It was realizing that this is sublime. Mm. This is a frozen moment in time, Mm. free from emotion, completely transcendent. This deep, deep stillness, this, this vast inner chill at 135 miles an hour being plummeted by the elements mm. and completely hyper aware of the environment. And then I realized it's time to come back down. So I brought, brought it back down, back down, back down, back down, went through the same things, getting scared, breathing, relaxing, getting scared, breathing, relaxing, all of that. Got back down to around 80 miles an hour. And at 80 miles an hour, I felt like I could get off and walk the bike. I mean, it was so simple yeah. compared to where I've been. <laughs> yeah. And what I drew from that experience was that there's always a momentum of emotion and it's always carrying information. So when that emotion shows up, which is just feedback, we can back away from it or we can be present with it. And when we're present with it, truth is revealed. And I use the word truth very loosely, but Mm -hmm. relevant truth, personal truth rises to the surface. Mm. And that allows stories to dissipate. It allows the narrative to be really taken out and looked at, and then we can judge it as useful or useless. And I stopped asking myself what's true uh, a long time ago, and I just started asking what's useful. And that was a very big upgrade when I started to do that. Yeah, that's a, let's stay here for a moment. Uh, What's true versus what's useful. Yeah. That's really a big distinction because I think, Again, especially, and I, I always bring it back to intimate relationships. I'm not sure why. I, it's a big part of the work that I do, but it's just a, it's, I think it's the, the laboratory, man. It's the proving ground. <laughs> it's the laboratory. Absolutely. It's the, it's a just where all, you know, Tony Robbins describes it as a, it's where emotions get magnified. It's where experience of life gets magnified anyway. And um, man, I've fallen on this sword a lot. The truth sword. I call it the truth sword. Fall on that truth sword and shit, you know, I'll blow up the world for truth. I'll show you. <laughs> yep. And, but then there's no fucking world anymore. There's no relationship. There's no connection. There's no, 
So let's just, can you elaborate on that a little bit? What's true versus what's useful? How do we know what's useful? What does that even mean? Well, the the feeling of truth is not to be dismissed because when we arrive at something that is true and we use that word true or truth, Mm -hmm. there's a sort of relief that comes with that. It's a sort of um, escape from the quest. Yeah. Because then we don't have to keep putting all these massive resources of mm-hmm. cognitive ability and critical thinking and logical mm-hmm. function and intuitive rationalization and emotional intelligence. We, we can just chill all of that out because now we've arrived. That makes sense. And now all we have to do is just use the words of truth yeah. and just put them out there and we can save ourselves a lot of time. Okay. Um, yeah. And because truth is compelling. When somebody believes in something, they're carrying a congruent frequency which is why somebody who is saying bullshit, if they totally believe it, and if they believe they're right, or if they're inspired enough or, or motivated enough to make you believe it, in the absence of your, not yours, yours, Brian, but, mm-hmm. but in the absence of someone's critical thinking, and in the absence of their own strong connection to self, they're very easily swayed. They're very easily persuaded. Mm-hmm. And so truth is a drug, man. Truth is, a, is yeah. the, the, maybe the biggest drug on the planet. Mm-hmm. Because when somebody says, I know the truth, then they feel important. They're connected. They've got a vehicle for power, expression, all of that stuff. And, you know, I certainly went through my, my iterations of that. You know, when I was in my teens, I was doing martial arts and I was competing all the time. And a lot more, I mean, literally ate, slept, breathed, Everything revolved around training. Everything revolved around classes and competing and then teaching. Mm-hmm. So teach, train, compete, teach, train, compete. That was my life from like 15, 16, 17 through my early 20s. And I developed a lot of certainty in my own skills, in mm-hmm. my style. Taekwondo is the best style. Why? Because mm-hmm. I train in it, obviously. Yeah. Did I ever compete in any other styles? No. <laughs> but I'm convinced my style is the right style. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I got jumped. <laughs> I went to a party. There's a young woman I was interested in. I neglected to ask whether or not she was seeing anybody. Turns out she was. And, uh, he was at the party, understandably wondering who this joker is. And so he jumped on me as I was leaving the party. And I found myself on the concrete, getting my head just bashed in by this angry dude. And uh, realized that all of my training was worthless. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> worthless. Because I built up this story in my mind, being told, hey, great fight finishing a match. Great fight. Leaving the gymnasium after winning a tournament. Great fight. Well, if you're told a few dozen, or I guess by that time, a few hundred times, good fight, you start to think you are a good fighter. Mm -hmm. So that was my truth. I'm a good fighter. Until reality comes in, thankfully, in the form of this guy, and he starts beating me up, and I realize there's no referee. Nobody's going to save me. Mm -hmm. And my second-degree black belt competition skills were revealed to be the combat skills of a three-year-old. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he didn't study Taekwondo. He doesn't know the rules that you're supposed no, to play by. No, he had the ultimate advantage. <laughs> he, was, he was pissed, yeah. and he was more congruent. He was more certain. Yeah. He had more to lose than he was yeah. fighting for. So all his primal powers got activated. Yeah. And so somebody pulled him off of me, and we're standing up. And, man, I'm adrenalized. I'm like, what the fuck? What just happened? Wow. And he's screaming, he's yelling, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, you're overreacting. Like, I didn't even, I'm trying to apologize. Like, dude, I didn't even know that you guys are dating. It's my bad, man. I get it. He didn't Mm. want to have any of it. So he starts it on me again. But we were standing and instinct kicks in and I launched this kick and I ended up 
landing right on the side of his ear and he dropped like a bag of concrete and I hauled ass like Usain Bolt, man. I was uh-huh. so scared. That was one of the best experiences of my life. Not uh-huh. because I had to use something and not because I got my ass kicked, both of which happened that night, but because the veil was pierced and I could no longer pretend to know the truth. And I am so appreciative of that moment because it forced me to explore different paradigms. And it actually began a very aggressive split testing of paradigms where I began testing, which is better, this belief or this, Mm -hmm. this training approach or this one, Mm -hmm. this diet or this one. And I stopped accepting the certainty of other people's conviction. Mm. And I began to subject everything to testing. Wow. That's powerful. So I, I really, okay, that's really helpful. Now I can see that distinction between what's true and what's useful <laughs> and getting your ass kicked, man. Those are what great lessons those are getting our ass kicked. Some of my best yeah. lessons came from also getting my ass kicked. As Absolutely. A, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Violence and, and physicality just isn't, it mm-hmm. just doesn't lie. <laughs> no. Wow. Well, let me ask one final question before we launch into our five key takeaways finale. I know we're coming up on time. So, and oh, there's a question I wanted to ask you before that though. It's the elder question, actually. Okay. You know, you're 45, I'm 44. I'm curious because Jesse Elder, that's your name. Did you ever have a moment of kind of recognizing, wow, okay, I am an elder now. I've become an elder. I mean, so much of this podcast was born because I haven't felt connected to elders. And I wanted to have conversations with elders. You're the most literal representation of that so far, just by your name. Here's an elder I'm speaking with. (laughs) But did you ever have that moment of, or a gradual dawning, or is it just, or maybe is it right now? I don't know. Have you never thought about it in those terms? But yeah, um, I haven't, I haven't been asked this uh, in this way before. And and what's coming up is just, it's just what happened. So I'll, I'll, uh, Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you, I've always felt this way as long as I can remember. I've always felt like, like I just know. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I haven't had fantastically evolutionary experiences of pain and even some genuine bona fide suffering in my life because I have. But uh, a couple of years ago, or I guess about a year ago, I had a conversation with my dad and we were just talking about the work that he did in his life and the work that I'm doing and just as men, just sharing our, you know, mm-hmm. our perspectives on each other's work. And he made a comment that really stopped me in my tracks. And, and he said, you seem like you always knew what you were doing. Like ever since you got here and your mom and I just did the best we could to stay out of your way. Mm-hmm. And that experience was probably multiplied by being born the oldest of what became five kids and uh, being homeschooled. And so having a lot of early leadership training, which consisted of changing diapers and babysitting, you know, being 10 years old, sitting in a federal courtroom, hearing my dad sentenced um, for aiding and abetting illegal aliens, doing the math in my head and realizing I'm never going to see my dad again because he's going to be in jail my whole life. That was an evolutionary experience that, that caused some emotional maturity early on. So I guess there's a lot of experiences, but I truly, this is the most core thing that I think I know is that everybody comes hardwired with that inner GPS and it is unique to each person. Each person has their own reason for being here. Each person has their own path, which is so wide, you can never be off of it. 
because linear time is just an illusion. It's an agreement. It doesn't really exist. That means that right now is the only moment that's real. And through the power of and the gift of imagination, we can actually probe gently into a future that may seem far off, but the distance in time is really a distance in belief. And as we can begin to believe and think and feel those thoughts and feelings that that version of us is experiencing, the time shrinks so that what used to seem like a 10-year vision, you may be experiencing next Friday. The difference is not in the resources. The difference is in your acceptance of its reality and then allowing the actions to flow that create that. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, for you listeners out there, definitely check out Jesse's mind vitamin videos. I mean, I think YouTube seems to be the best place for those. Is that right, Jesse? Yeah, we're, we're getting ready to film season two is coming out soon, but they're all on YouTube or Facebook. And this will all be in the show notes at, if you're driving, you can't write this down. Don't worry about it. Just go to the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. That's Brian with a Y reeves.com slash men this way podcast and all the Jesse's links and his videos, his website, all that will be in the show notes there. Okay, Jesse, let's come back to that final question and then we'll rock out in the five key takeaways finale. That final question is, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today and what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Yeah, immediately what comes up is that we're we're in a very interesting time in history right now where if you ask most men, how do you know if you're a man, it will be very hard for them to tell you because there is no formal rite of passage culturally. And in fact, we are a multicultural society. So it is very confusing. And then, so you add that, which has been going on for some time, add to that a sort of political climate, social climate that is increasingly scrutinizing men, which is great because you know the light reveals everything. However, many men who are not used to seeing themselves fully, and they're not used to exploring who and what they actually are as an individual first, as a human, and then as a man, that light can be blinding. When somebody's shining the light and going, who are you? And you don't never even ask yourself mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. It can be a shrinking sort of thing. You know, when that Gillette commercial came out a couple of weeks yeah, ago, that's right. um, it was a very powerful commercial. And what, what was powerful is the amount of reactions that came from it. So yeah. great job, Gillette. Great. You did a great yeah. job. Yeah. But I posted on Instagram and on Facebook, I just said, I, I enjoy, or I'm proud, or I'm happy, something like that. But, but I am happy to be a man because that's what I am. And that was inspired by the Gillette ad, but it's as true on that day as it's been on any, any other day. And if I was a woman with this same soul, the same essence, the same energy, um, then I would have no problem saying, I am proud to be a woman because that's what I am. Or if I was gay, I would say, I'm proud to be gay because that's a part of what I am. Or I'm proud to be white because that's part of what I am. And guess what? If I was black, I would be proud to be black. But these mm-hmm. are external factors as immovable as they may be, they're external factors to our essence, to our actual values and principles, our essence of who, of who and what we are. And so for men, I think that it's, it is not just because of the political climate currently, but perpetually. The question is, who the fuck are you? And more importantly, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Because all of that's malleable and it's completely up for your own creation. So instead of facing reality, create reality. That's, that's why we're here. I like that. Instead of facing reality, create reality. Excellent. Okay, Jesse, let's rock out on the five 
Key takeaways finale. Cool. You ready for this? Do it. Okay, man. Number one, key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Um, well, the, the, the assumption there is that because it worked for me, it'll work for somebody else. I'll get as core as I can. Mm-hmm. Question authority. There, there's nobody outside of the individual who can determine your values and determine what's right for you right now. In fact, there is no such thing as an objective right and wrong, only subjective right and wrong. One person's terrorist is another country's freedom fighter and vice versa. The only difference is who's telling the story. So uh, question authority, question what you've been told by people who called the shots about who you are, what your choices are, all this kind of stuff. Uh, That would be pretty fundamental. Yeah. On board. Love that one. Thank you. Number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. Uh, yeah, aside from my dad, who to this day continues to inspire me, there's somebody who I've become very close with, somebody that's always been there for me, and somebody who I actually now work with. Uh, his name is Mike Kemsky, K-E-M. Oh, yeah, I know Mike. You know Mike? Mike? Kemsky, I know Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Mike and I have known each other a few years. Um, we are cut from the same cloth in so many ways, and he's just a brilliant author, writer. We are uh, manager and run a community called legacy and uh mike is just as solid as it comes and definitely sees the world through a very unique lens okay all right that's it i gotta get him on the podcast yeah i love, I yeah, love mike sure. just a good good rich human being yeah. <laughs> that man yes. Yeah. yes mostly human i think he's he's probably more <laughs> stardust than anything else he's great great story he has too where he's incredible yeah incredible Number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. The last year. Um, well, since I can't make it through Interstellar without crying at least three times, that's mm-hmm. probably up there. With uh, Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. 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 That was, that was uh, for whatever reason, man, that one really, really, mm-hmm. uh, really touched me. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Perfect. Number four, key investment in the last year. What's the best thing that you've spent money on? And I'm going to keep it to under $10,000. Under $10,000. Um, we're spending less than $10,000 a day on Facebook advertising right now. Okay. If that counts. <laughs> Why has that been the best investment then? Because it's, it's allowed us to scale a message that proved itself over five years of organic traction mm-hmm. and is now allowing us to reach you know, last month, I think 60 million people watched the videos. Wow. And these are videos that most people will never buy anything from, but we're propagating this material because mm. it's important. It's a message that needs to be heard. And for me, that's what I prefer to reinvest a lot of the money that I'm making back into is the work and this message or these ideas that, that I have developed and that I've, that I've come across. So uh, other than that, I would say that uh, booking a first class one-way ticket to someplace you've never been will probably change your life more than anything else. Mm. I like that. Okay. Beautiful. Last one. Key practice. What's one, or please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for just the next seven days? Sure. Uh, Hands down meditation without question. Um, Meditation confused me for a long time because I was so worried I was doing it wrong. And then I realized how absurd that was to Mm. take something that is inherently non-judgmental and to judge it so harshly. 
<laughs> so uh, I developed a practice called the Prime Light Meditation, which is a 20-minute four-phase meditation, and it's fucking nuclear, man. There's some really weird shit happens in it. Matter of fact, we can probably get your listeners a link to that. Please. But it's insanely good. Uh, the most profitable, productive, restorative, borderline magic bullshit that I've ever experienced. And if I wasn't such a skeptic of all the woo-woo stuff, you know, I would, I would probably just accept a whole bunch of other things. But everything else that I've tested had falls apart at some point. This is the one practice that has never fallen apart and continues to produce compounded results. Please, we'll definitely put that link. If you get it to me, we'll put it in the show notes. And I want to echo that because meditation also used to confuse me a lot. And I think it does a lot of men, a lot of people in, in our culture. It's not really yeah. something that was born in our culture. So we have a lot of misunderstandings in the interpretation. I heard one meditation teacher describe it as it's like we're trying to wear shoes that a little tiny little old man in a Nepalese village was designed for him, his tiny little feet you know, to go mountain walking. And here we are in the West, totally. with different body sizes, trying to wear the same shoes. Totally. Of course, it's not going to fit. I love that, man. That's so good. And the whole idea of getting it wrong is, it, right. it screws you from the beginning. <laughs> and so it's like, I mean, I can sum down the entire thing, even minus the education on the phases and what the phases do and how they work with your brain and, and all that. Boil the whole thing down into two things. Be quiet and don't move. Yeah. And that's it. If people could just do that, be quiet and don't move. Yeah, but what if I shh? Yeah. So what I should do is, no. So I should think about, no. So I should breathe like, no. Yeah. So I should cross my legs, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just breathe. Just close uh, close your eyes, that helps. Don't move and be quiet for 20 minutes. Nature will take care of the rest and will reveal worlds to you. Yeah. And I had a meditation teacher tell me that teach me that, that don't move. And actually, as he shared a story, which I won't share here, but how do you not move? Oh, you just don't move. That's all. You just don't move. Oh, but what? If- but it has to be harder than that, Brian. How can it be so simple? <laughs> if it was that simple, everybody would be doing it. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's hysterical, but, and that just those two distinctions too. Oh, just be quiet and don't move. All you have to do to not move is just don't move. Oh, that's it? Oh, just don't move. Fuck. <laughs> oh. How should I not move? How should I not move? Exactly. By my course. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do not moving? You just don't move. Beautiful. Jesse, thank you so much. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? A relevant, fast-moving place is Instagram. Jesse Elder Live is my Instagram or uh, just look up Jesse Elder on Facebook. I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram both. JesseElder.com is a good resource for uh, programs and we've got tons of stuff that's out there. I'm so appreciative that technology allows all sorts of connections like this to happen and uh, to keep this energy moving. And, and I just really am appreciative of this opportunity to connect with you and, and with the audience. And can't wait to see what continues to unfold for all of us. Likewise, Jesse. Thank you so much for being on Men This Way. My pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Jesse. Find Jesse on Instagram at Jesse Elder Live and on his website at jessieelder.com, where you can find all his mind vitamins and more. Of course, all these links and resources and Jesse's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. Again, it's Brian with a Y, Reeves dot com slash men this way podcast. 
And if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review on your podcast app so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired. Thank you.